Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey y'all, it's Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And this is Asian Bitches Down Under. Uh, now, um, I am sitting in my bedroom where it's like really bright and sunny. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a swim in the last week in the ocean. Oh, nice. Even with yeah, this cold weather. Yeah, it wasn't actually Lovely. too cold. Um, uh-huh. So a bunch of friends and I went to do the spit to manly walk, okay. which I've never done before. Yep. Have you done it? Uh, I think I might have done it with mum like ages ago, very, very long really? time ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. Right. Like it's across um, the bridge as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we actually didn't end up finishing it. We went, <laughs> we, 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 I don't think we even went halfway because we ended up just like going, we found like a secluded beach and then we just like went swimming and then oh, drank beers. Okay. That's and nice. then, like, forgot forgot the rest of the day. Uh, <laughs> and then so I had to rush spirit. back. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. We had to rush back for um, Mother's Day celebration. Oh, was that so, the day? Okay. Yeah, that uh-huh. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it was fun. Um, and the ocean is still palatable at this time of the year. Yeah, it should be warm yeah, well, for another couple of weeks. Then, then you I know. move into winter status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you excited about winter or are not you not really. a winter fan? I'm not. An, I'm never a winter person. Yeah, but you have a fireplace. <laughs> I have a Helen. fireplace, but it just makes you do nothing. Like you feel. I'm already feeling lazy during warm weather, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then the winter comes. I just feel like, oh, I'm just gonna lie on my couch and stare at my dog, which is literally most <laughs> of the time what I do if I don't feel like it to do anything. But. Yeah, I, I guess winter will be probably if I will start picking up my baking stuff again. I will start baking yeah. again. I like to bake during um, colder months. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like to bake, period. Uh-huh. I just love baking so much. I feel it's such an anti-feminist thing to do because, you know, women in the 50s baked. Oh, but I just uh-huh. love it so much. I can't help it. I can understand. I can understand that kind of saying, but now we need to look at it. It's just about personal choices, you know, rather than... Yeah. Whether or not it's feminist or not feminist, like who who is there? Who's got the right to say what is feminist? You know, if we have our own individual choices, yeah. I know it's just it's like I sometimes think I want a family mm-hmm. just so I could like give so I have mouths to feed. I just love baking and cooking so much. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like if I did have to find myself in a situation where I'm for, forced to cook every single night. I might have a different opinion on that. You know? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. What did you What did you get up to this week? So this week, um, I've just been running around the house doing errands. Yeah. Uh, this week, I've listened to several podcasts because podcasts. Mm. Those one of media outlets that you can just 
enjoying when you're driving or you're doing things that you don't have to put your concentration, like visual concentration, whereas, you know, watching a movie or watching YouTube that you have to have all your sensory concentrated on the screen. But podcast is so good. You just turn it on and put it on speaker or headphone and you go on and do your own things. Mm, mm. So I listened to podcast episodes that had engagement with the writers at the Sydney Writers Festival like two weeks ago. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. so the first one was Sarah Dingle, the ABC mm. journalist who had recently published a book. Uh, it's called Brave New Human. Yeah, so I'm going to get that book. So interesting listening mm. to her interview about her journey of her searching her anonymous uh, biological sperm donor father. Mm. Whole investigation into the fertility industry, which uncovered like a lot of things that have rather been opaque in the eyes of the society because yeah. of the shame yeah. and all other issues. So this is too, this is a topic that is too cover too big to cover to just through few sentences. So I'm thinking to perhaps compile a couple of data information and we can put it into another episode. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's really really relative to the book that I've just recently finished, um, Breast and Eggs, um, mm-hmm. talking about women's choice in fertility and how this how the whole society sees the reason and the value to have babies mm. yeah and the other two po- two of the podcast shows i listened to this week earlier this week there are Taiwanese podcast they also talked about and interview sperm donors as well as children of a sperm donor right. so you see the different perspectives yeah. from different sides yeah mm. i remember listening to an article um from america about this uh, guy a doctor who ended up actually they discovered an investigative journalist discovered mm-hmm. that he was the father of like 25 kids because he had just like anonymously donated uh-huh. his sperm to like women who couldn't have babies uh-huh. or like were looking for sperm donors and it was uh-huh. so such an interesting sort of family dynamic when the the children ended up a lot of them finding each other uh-huh. discovering that they shared the same father mm-hmm. there's a growing community of that I think yeah. everywhere, a lot of places. Do you think 25 is a big number? Uh, I think 25 is a big number. Okay, so the tiniest podcast I listened to, they found this sperm donor. Yeah. He fathered 70 plus in the past 12 years. Wow. 70, so this New Yorker guy. Oh my goodness, a, that is crazy. A mass professor somewhere in yeah New uh. York, I think. Yeah, I'm going to dig up. The information about it and you know perhaps present wow it. imagine that it's just like him basically having sex with 70 different women hmm. you know yeah. that's incredible that is so incredible and what's more interesting is that he has connections with all the families as in he tells oh, okay like to when i was listening to that it kind of um extended my thinking to is that like a polygamy relationship you know oh, it's no. it's like he, the other if families like... knows other families as well, so yeah. essentially each other knows their half siblings. Yeah, mm, mm. maybe we'll look up. I'll look up and we'll have a discussion on that on some yeah. of the episodes. Yeah, in the future. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, another podcast I listened to was "Stop Everything," hosted by Benjamin Law and Beverly Wan. <laughs> so they interview. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're fantastic. They interviewed two writers at uh, Sydney Writers Festival. 
Carly Finlay and Sam Verzelden. So, of course, one spoke about her work on the representation of disabled community and the other one on the perspective of fat, the body yeah. positivity. positivity. Yeah, both writers yeah. talked about the importance of representations in overall media industry and how it impacts individuals they um, to reclaim their confidence and have the right to claim the usage of languages as well. Mm. So specifically, um, Finlay has talked about using the word disable, whereas mm-hmm. uh, Van Zelden, she talked about using the word fat. Because in yeah. the past, I don't know, in, in, in the past, we always think that, oh, fat is such a negative word. People really yeah. shouldn't use it. Yeah. So now in her book, she's saying that we as a big plus size people, we should reclaim it as a positive word because yeah. that's what it is. It's a visually descriptive were that where else are you going to rhetorically try to find something else to replace it because it's the fact that we're fat if we're fat we're fat yeah you know i that reviewed really her book okay oh okay yeah um i think what it's do you called, think of it uh where was it it's it's in my bookshelf somewhere swallow something swallow uh, I, I think it was called eat eat with my mouth open yeah that's Did it you? yeah yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah um i think it was good yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of languages, which led me to my recommendation for this week, another podcast episode. I really highly recommend this episode. It's on the Saturday paper, 7 a.m. talks about the language usage to describe right-wing terrorists. Oh, okay. um, so recently, Australian officials have introduced a new terminology to discuss um, the threats that we faced in terrorism. Uh, rather than calling right-wing they want to replace it as ideologist threats or religious religionless threats. All right, okay. So they're saying that oh because using right wing my uh <laughs> like what we've thought about right wing is usually the definition of like neo Nazis, incels, yeah. Yeah. woman haters, etc. They're trying to they're now trying to avoid using the word right wing because they feel like they will be offending certain people who in are in the political spectrum who are already in the right right wing for example the conservatives or the traditional valued type of parties Mm. but i think it's just like it's just ridiculous in the past the media has always labeled the terrorists who are not white through their ethnicities or their color of the skins or their religion yeah like without a consideration that could be detrimental for the overall ethnic community in australia Mm. like we've seen like the sudanese community that be kind of like demonized through the media in the past years and now they're saying that no we're not going to use the right wing because they feel like they'll offend conservative traditional (laughs) old white people oh my goodness Okay. Yeah. Well, that is very interesting. Okay, so that's the podcast I want to recommend this week. Wow, a lot of podcasts. Yeah, so what about you? Um, I am reading Patricia Highsmith's um, book, Carol, which is, mm-hmm. um, well, it was originally published as the t- under the title The Price of Salt. And um, for those who don't know, it's a movie, I think, that came out about five years ago starring Kate Blanchett and um, Rooney Mara. Yes. Yeah, Mara. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, yep. and it's such a beautiful film, and I'm trying to read more lesbian fiction because um, mm-hmm. I just feel like that's a space that I need to explore more of. And oh, I haven't. Yeah. 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 Um, the Well of Loneliness is a classic one that I'll prob- hopefully get onto next. 
But I did finish Nikki Gemmell's book, um, The Ripping Tree, uh, mm-hmm. like two days ago, and then immediately started onto another book. Because I, I because The Ripping Tree, Nikki Gemmell's book, was a review book for SMH. So, like, because I have to review a book every two weeks, I, mm-hmm. I use my in between weeks to read a book of my own choice. Lovely. And, uh-huh. Yeah. And it's so, I wish I could read a book every two days, but unfortunately, um, you know, I have other things to do. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. but last night Andrew and I went to trampoline. Um, oh, we went to the Sky nice. Zone in Alexandria. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, uh-huh. He injured himself a bit <laughs> trying to do some fucking flips. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, poor guy. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, if you want to go, you should go like after hours, um, like as in new closing time. Less people. Yeah, I think the last yeah. time I went was when when your son was like seven or eight. So like maybe ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it was so packed. It was like a weekend. It was packed with other. Oh my the god. The kids' birthday parties. Yeah. It was like you couldn't so jump hectic. without hitting someone, and like <laughs> yesterday we just had the whole, whole entire oh, space to ourselves. So nice. uh-huh. Which was really good. Yeah. Yeah, and then we went out for Vietnamese um, afterwards, which was nice. But yeah, it was pouring last night in Marrickville. Yeah, was it? We had thunder, thunderstorms yeah, up on us the too. coast as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so cozy being like in the restaurant while like it was batshit crazy pouring outside. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, what else? I would like to go see a movie actually this weekend. I haven't been to the cinemas in quite a while. Okay, what? when was the last time you went? Me, I think it will be last year, beginning of wow, the pandemic. I think just yeah. before. Like, I haven't stepped into the cinema for very, like, over a year now. Yeah. Well, I can't, like, I'd really like to use my New South Wales voucher. You know, the, the oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, we yeah. haven't used it yet. Diners is gone. Diners Both is of you have uh, registered. Yeah, we have. But I, I'm yeah. thinking of using it on something that I wouldn't normally do. Okay. You know? Like, instead of going to a movie, because, like, I would happily pay to go see a movie. But, like, something obscure uh-huh. and, like, uh-huh. out of the way. Like, um, I don't know. Papa Golf or something. Although Papa and Golf Papa is Golf. so boring. What's something like really <laughs> random that, I don't know, laser tag or something? <laughs> laser tag. Oh, that's fun as well. I used my wine on the stand-up paddling oh, up right. on the Lake Macquarie. Uh-huh. And I ended up only paying like $10 for two hours for oh, one nice. course. So that was amazing. Very was so nice. Cheap. Yeah. Very nice. And I used the other $25 one on my bouldering center for the entries yeah multiple mm. entries so that worked out well for me mm. yeah i still don't know what it, where else what else to do like where else to eat around the coast to use the dining voucher yeah. i still have one left yeah nice yeah so we just have to remind our listeners if you're in new south wales quickly go and register i think if you're over yeah. 18 you're yeah. resident of new south Wales, you can get it and yeah. and um where where does it um when does it finish? I think Ju- June thirtieth. June thirtieth, yeah, at the end of June, yeah. So you right. have about six weeks left to use. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so let's launch into today's topic. Yay! So this week's topic will start with the um Jessie wants to talk about her all time favorite five movies. So we'll yeah. talk about your part this time. Okay. And maybe next time we'll talk about mine because I'm still trying to figure out <laughs> which movies that I should pick. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could like 
I could really talk forever about movies, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the future, Helen and I are going to do our top five favorite rom coms, our top five favorite action <laughs> films, our top five favorite Taiwanese oh, films. Good. Yeah, but yeah, today yeah. we're just going to start off with like our top five, my top five favorite period. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And when I thought about it, it came to me very, very quickly. These are the films that really I have absolutely no qualms going back to. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. never sick of watching them over and over again. Okay, so is that one of the your elements? Yeah, of, to be yes, as, in order to be your all-time yeah. favorite that yeah. you can watch it Which over. Are, yeah, and exactly. Over again. Yeah, and okay. never get sick uh-huh. of it. Like okay. honestly, it's like putting on an album. I feel like when I sit down to watch any of these films, it's like putting on an album in the background. It just gives me so mm-hmm. much joy. Yeah, and and it is a criteria that I really put up there because, like, for instance, a great film is Nomadland, but I don't want to watch Nomadland more than once or twice because it's so despair, sad. <laughs> it's so sad, yeah, and beautiful. But like these five films that I'm about to watch, they're so beautiful and wondrous. Um, there's this element mm-hmm. of like purity to them. Yeah, and it, it's not like a moody kind of purity. It's a very refined sort of. Well, they're all different in their own different ways. Yeah. So I'll start talking about them now. Um, so I'm going to talk about them chronologically. So like the year that they came out in. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. And and the first film I'm going to um talk about came out in 1998, and it is You've Got Mail. Um, which is like, seriously, my, I swear I, when it came out, I, I was like, I recorded it on, I think I had a VHS version of it mm-hmm. and it, literally every single day, um, after school, primary school, I would come home and then watch it. That's how oh, much I loved it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's a movie, um, starring Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, the best couple ever. And um, how funny it would really be that, like kind of because I think our listeners will <laughs> hear multiple times of you mentioning a film in the past. I know, already, probably, yeah. yeah. It's really like a sort of pre, not really, but a prequel kind of couple situation, mm-hmm. on screen situation from Sleepers in Seattle, mm-hmm. which is another Nora Ephron film. Nora Ephron wrote uh, You've Got Mail as well. And uh, I find it um, way, You've Got Mail, I find it way more like sprightly. And yeah, not as serious as lighthearted um, yeah. sleepers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sleepers in Seattle is very charming. It's got Rosie O'Donnell, who's like fantastic. <laughs> but um, there's something about you've got mail. Um, I think I just can't not love mm-hmm. because it has all the elements of everything I love. It has like literature. They talk about books. Mm-hmm. Um, all the characters, like their their situation, revolve around books. So it's a big literary scene in New York. Mm-hmm. It's set in New York, my favorite city in the world. Um, the dialogue is snappy. The, the relationship, they're basically committing adultery. So um, Meg Ryan's character, Kathleen Kelly, is a bookstore owner, mm-hmm. like a children's bookstore owner. And then she is kind of partnered with this guy called Frank, played by Greg Kinnear, who is like infinitely always um, the out- beta male in every movie. Um, and Tom Hanks plays uh, Joe Fox, who's like this like patriarchy um descendant of a lot of wealth mm-hmm. incredible wealth and he is um partnered up with Parker Posey another amazing actress and she is the head and editor of like Penguin something like Penguin mm-hmm. Random House so she has her own publishing yep. house yeah so two power couples um Meg Ryan's partner Frank um he is like a writer for something like the um New York Times mm-hmm. kind of equivalent uh, a columnist and so like every all their relationships revolve around words and I think I really like that and um, 
Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks basically commit adultery by like being online and chatting to each other, not being aware that you know the other person is who they are saying mm-hmm. they are. So, th- and they really fall in love through the medium of um, emails, mm-hmm. which is like um, back then. You know, AOL was a massive thing. This is like 1998. Um, the internet was becoming uh, like more ingrained in people's That's lives, right, yeah. and it w- it hadn't penetrated our lives in a way that it has now, and. Um, I, I just find the movie so romantic in the sense that these two people fall in love through words and I mm-hmm. really like that kind of literary basis. Uh, also, the soundtrack is really, like, cute. <laughs> you know, a lot of, like, cute songs, a lot of jazz, a lot of old-time mm-hmm. kind of 50s records. Um, yeah, Helen, you've seen it, I've right? I've seen it a very long time ago. I remember the pull-up, but okay. I don't remember the detail, but I want to specify the pull-up where you talk about writing emails you know at the end of the 90s like I went through that period as well when internet was just starting well it already had started you know decades ago but it just become more publicly accessible during the late 90s and Mm. I think writing mail or writing emails back then it had still had the essence of communicating through like writing longer passages and writing what you're thinking and feeling rather than yeah whereas now we communicate through text and text is a very incident you get a reply immediately but you don't have the period that you need to wait whereas writing the letter or email you'll probably have to wait for a period of time and you don't get as a necessary excitement anymore like you get the anxiety if people don't reply you immediately yeah so that anxious kind of expanded nowadays whereas the email you have the expectation of someone who's writing back to you and they will probably compose better thing rather than just a single line text yeah 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 exactly yeah i love email i think my most profound writing has come through emails with like potential lovers kind of really putting yourself on the page. It's almost like um, the equivalent to long letters that people used to write in Jane Austen times. Exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. Do you still write letters? Um, I don't write letters as much as I used to. I no longer have um, any, like, um, relationship with anyone overseas where I get to write long, detailed emails. I kind of just, like, talk to people about stuff that's going through my mind now. Mm-hmm. But, but I think I, I have historically written a lot of like emails where you get to really think like think about what like a lot of my best emails I think have been emails that have been around my craft of writing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. stuff I'm trying to work out why I want to work it out um, it's always been about art or cinema or writing mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I think I should go back and read them because uh, maybe one yeah, day people will publish them yeah I just recently I just wrote a letter this morning to my friend in US yeah. Um, because we've been kind of writing letters since we graduated from high school and back and forth in the past almost 20 years. And it's like on and off most of the times, but we haven't really communicated through letters the past uh, five, six years or so. But we still mm. kept, kept in touch through Facebook Messenger, things like that. Mm. But I mm. found that writing a letter is definitely very, very different writing compared to writing like a short message as in asking oh, yeah, how you course. are. Like I literally spent half an hour 
I was I was thinking to write it with a pen, but then I can't be bothered because I had to write in Chinese. Right. I ended up just right. typing it, and then when I read uh-huh. it back, I'm like, oh my god, it's it's not even like a letter. Like you have to craft a letter in a certain style that it doesn't seem like a normal asking greeting.、Mm. How how you doing? And then you start talking about yourself, and I feel like I'm writing、yeah. the style that I was writing looks more like、uh, writing a poem rather than. <laughs> Talking yeah, about、right. my、that's、days.、Nice. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. So my、um, second movie on my top five list is a movie called E E,、mm-hmm. and it was、um, re- directed and written by famous Taiwanese act,、uh, director writer called Edward Yang.、Uh, don't know his Chinese name. Yang Dechang. Yeah, but the movie is super famous. It was released、um, in two thousand. I think I just entered high school or was about to enter high、mm-hmm. school in two thousand. I realized all of my top favorite films were around the two thousand mark.、Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe like、um, when you're a teenager and you see these films, it just kind of grips you in a way that no other time in your life grips you.、Okay. You know, it just changes how you are as a person. And I don't actually remember the first time when I saw E E, but I just remember a profound sort of like absolute. It was like it really changed my life. Basically, it's a it's a really Heartfelt story、um, about following a family. Basically,、mm-hmm. it's a very, very conventional plot about a family,、um, and all of them struggling with their own little lives.、Mm-hmm. Like we follow the daughter of the a man,、um, sort of like a man in his forties, who whose、um, mother, who's、oh, mother-in-law, mother-in-law, yeah, she, mother-in-law. yeah. She she kind of in the beginning of the film she kind of had an accident,、um, suffers from a fall, yeah. yeah, and then so for the rest of the film she's in bed. And kind of in a coma, and then the granddaughter, who's like about fourteen, fifteen, she's got her own issue with like falling in love with this guy who's、mm-hmm. like in love with another girl, and we see her going through kind of first love, and then we also、mm-hmm. follow the the guy in the middle, the middle aged guy who like、um, at. Uh, his, I think his brother or what, someone in his family gets married. Brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law gets married, and then at this wedding he bumps into an old flame,、mm-hmm. and then so we follow his story with them spending time together and reigniting, and then we also follow this man's wife, whose mother, you know, is in a coma, and she like there's this really absolutely gut wrenching scene when she's like crying her eyes out in the in her bedroom, in the bedroom, yeah, yeah, and she's like, I don't know what my role is in life, like、mm-hmm. I, what, what am I doing? And it just that that scene really speaks to every single woman I've ever met, I think, and、mm-hmm. really speaks to the women I've met, you know, regardless of what age and they they are. It's just like she's like really saying like, I, my whole life I have been caring for other people. Like what is my role?、Mm-hmm. Like who am I? You know that is literally, I think, the question that a lot of mothers and wives and carers、mm-hmm. ask themselves. Because、mm-hmm. you know women are still raised to be carers、um, and valued that way. And、um, and then there's also obviously the main character I think the of the film, boy, which is really.、Young. Yeah, yeah, the young, the little boy, the little boy who's like five or six, I think. Eight. Eight. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So he's yeah. supposed to be so, like eight. Yeah, and、boy. he is this. He carries the narrative of innocence, I think. Like.、Mm-hmm. So, like the movie traces every generation. Like, there's the old matriarch, there's the patriarch of the family, there's you know people in their middle age, there's the young youthful teenager experiencing first love, and then there's the like very young boy who's like who has the best line in any movie at the、mm-hmm. end. When I hope I'm not ruining this for anyone, but if you haven't seen EE, I'm about to give you a spoiler, so tune tune out for the next ten seconds. Um, at the end of the movie, the the grandmother dies, and at the funeral, 
the little boy reads a letter mm-hmm. to Where the he, to grandmother. their grandmother. Yeah, yeah, when he's saying like um, at the end of the movie, a new baby is born. Mm-hmm. And then he says to the grandmother, like, um, when I look at the baby, I feel old. Mm-hmm. And he's eight. You know, yeah. this is a little boy who says, like, I feel old. But, but the thing is, like, we all feel old relative to somebody in our That's lives. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When was the last time you saw it, Helen? I start watching it about, I don't know, a long time ago when you first told me about this movie. Like, I didn't mm. know. Like, I don't really follow Chinese movies. I follow a lot of Chinese dramas, but I don't uh-huh. follow a lot of Chinese movies, especially, mm. like, pre, I don't know, 2010. And I don't. I during that period of time, like when I was starting uni, and don't really see a lot of advertisement for Chinese movie. So I, wh- how did you get? How did you know about this movie first? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I first borrowed it in the um Epping Library when I was like twelve. Oh, okay. Twelve okay. or thirteen. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I just like I, I think what captured me, captured me, my interest was like the cover of the DVD. Uh-huh. And um it was like a little boy the little boy and he's holding a camera and it's the a shot of the back of his head, I think. Or maybe oh, it was a shot yeah. of him holding uh-huh. the camera to the screen. And then um I also found the title interesting, just like E E. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and I think a direct correlation translation is a one and a one or something. Yeah, one and a one. So it's yeah. I'll say the better translation will be like singular because okay. E is one, like singular will be perhaps a bit more better translation but anyway yeah you told me about it a while ago and i start watching it and i realized it's like almost three hours and I oh my god is it. that yeah is it's that? almost three hours oh my god i didn't know two that. hours and 45 minutes or something like that oh, so okay. it's a very very long movie and when you told me two days ago you want to do this topic and yeah. told me the list of movies and i went back and look up on youtube they actually it actually has it on youtube so really the whole movie can, yeah the whole movie Wow, so everyone can nice. look it up on YouTube. Okay. We'll have it on our show note as well. I watched it yesterday. I sat through almost three hours. I mean, in between, I still went to the toilet, had my lunch and things like that. I, I can understand your sentiment towards the towards the movie. Like at the very beginning, I feel like, oh, it's just a very usual middle, ca- uh, middle class, middle class yeah. family in Taipei. And it uh-huh. could be very well played out by like, white family as well but it's got a lot of intertwined sort of stories um essentially that the i think the movie is really want to talk about the emptiness of the individuals the loneliness Uh and the distance i think there's there's elements that within this family that i don't see i i can't see any bond that's something that i feel like a lot of asian families are lacking is that there's yeah. no intimacies with did you see any intimacies with all the characters like parents to child or husband and wife there's no literal intimacies I think, yeah i think the only scene where i remember that any kind of intimacy was when um the father drives the daughter to school or something like that and they're in the car together mm-hmm. yeah but they don't hug or anything we don't see anything like that yeah. Yeah. I mean even even the marriage between the newlyweds and the guys cheating on the woman. There's yeah. a lot of like there's a lot of abuse in that family. Yeah. You yeah. know in that in that relationship. Like I think at one point he even tries to kill himself, right? I don't know if it's oh, he's okay. trying to kill himself or was it an accident because oh, it doesn't yeah. you can't you you can yeah, you can't always guess what actually the intention of the you know the director or the yeah, yeah. the people who created the story and also there was something that's really missing there was a part where uh Yang Yang the little boy yeah he went to the swimming pool do you remember that scene yeah 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 and it he looked went like to he was about pool, to drown to drown and then 
you jumped into the next thing where he returned home soaking yeah. wet and you have yeah, no yeah. idea what happened. What happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone saved him or he did yeah. he just cry out of the swimming pool? Yeah. What else do you think? I think to me it's the show's uh, the emptiness. And I really like one of the uh, line by Yang Yang, the little boy. He said that yeah. we always don't see the other side of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he went out and take photos so, of yeah. People's, people's backs, backs yeah. because yeah. we never see the back of ourselves. I know, yeah. It's yeah. so poetic. So like from poetic. an eight-year-old, it's just amazing. And the I way know. that he asks questions, I think was to like a superintendent or something like that in the school when yeah. he was questioned, yeah. like, oh, did you bring condoms to school? And Yang yeah. Yang asked like, him, oh, have you seen me bring it? He goes, no, yeah. I heard her. And he like kind of replied to the superintendent, like, Oh, you said you heard her, but you didn't see me. So how can you justify that I bought condoms to school yeah. or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful. That's very clever. Yeah, I think um, A.O. Scott even called it the most perfect film ever. A.O. Scott's the film critic for New York Times. Not that mm. you know his judgment is the end or be all, but I honestly think this is such a perfect film, and I I can't stop watching it. I just, I, I bore my eyes out every time I watch it. Seriously. It really reflects on the reality of a lot of families, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, particularly during the uh, late 90s and 2000s in Taiwan where they portray, like, the middle-aged Chinese man. Like, he's, like, a return from U.S. or something like that. So they're relatively well, but he has immersely pressure from yeah. his work and yeah, his yeah. family as well. And yeah. he seems like he's trying to just run away. Yeah, from away from his duties, but yeah, he from his duty, but he he can't. Yeah, yeah. Well, my next movie um was um was a movie that actually Helen made me discover. Helen discovered it. That's why I <laughs> discovered it. So it is the film um Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola, uh-huh. um two thousand and three film. So this story um of how I came across this film was uh, basically Helen and Sean um came back from Taiwan. Um, with the DVD mm-hmm. and then I watched the DVD and then I just yeah. immediately was like hooked because the, I think, I mean, obviously the last time I saw it was actually last year at the Golden Cinemas with um, okay. with a friend, the Golden Bar in, on, in Surrey Hills and like uh, realising that there are a lot of racial elements in it that are very problematic. Yes. Um, <laughs> kind of diminished my love for it but I, I think for me it's still one of the top, my top favourite films because of... Uh, just the way that Sophia Coppola, she makes her films. Every shot is so brilliant. Every mm-hmm. shot is artistic. Every shot is like um, so beautifully framed. The color and the tone and the texture of the film is so great. I also have to say the 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 soundtrack is brilliant. The soundtrack I have, I think it's my one of my favorite soundtrack to any film. If you haven't seen it, um, it's a movie where Scarlett Johansson. I think she's like sixteen or seventeen when she's. In this film, but oh she really? Plays, oh yeah, my she's goodness, very young. That young. Yeah, um, but she plays like a early twenty something um, who's followed newly yeah, newly wed who's followed yeah. her husband, who's a famous photographer, to the celebrities to Tokyo, where he's doing a couple of shots. And at the they're at the Park Hyatt. The whole film basically revolves around the Park Hyatt, um, and it's there she mm-hmm. meets Bill Murray, whose character is like basically Bill Murray. He's a famous um, <laughs> uh, former former massive. Hollywood star, and he's there to shoot commercials. Uh, yeah, uh, whiskey. Yeah, whiskey. <laughs> Santori. Really For good times. Make it Santori times. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and I know it's just, it's really, <laughs> really, really great. Um, it, um, it's, 
again, it's like very racially discriminatory against Japanese people. It's like foreignizes, exoticizes them in a way that I just don't think is palatable these mm-hmm. in today's climate. But the story of them, the the friendship is really charming. I think Scarlett Johansson is so beautiful in this film. Mm-hmm. There's like a real innocence to their friendship. I remember reading a um, interview with um, uh, Sofia Coppola during 2005, I believe, when I was doing my HSC and wanting to write my four-unit English project was like a screenplay and I really wanted to write a movie that was similar to Lost in Translation. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading an interview with Sophia Coppola where she says that this is like the ultimate romance because they don't sleep together. And I remember thinking, what? Mm -hmm. Like as if they would sleep together. Like he's so old, she's so young. But yeah, like um, they, the the reality I think would be they probably would sleep together because they're so lonely and they connect on such a deep level. Um, mm-hmm. I just find this film like so beautiful in its execution. What do you think? Why did you buy mm-hmm. the DVD? Well, I, Sean looked at Bill Murray. He goes, oh, this is interesting. You know, I was never really into Bill Murray until I met Sean mm-hmm. and I started watching a lot of his comedies. Like, There's a couple of the with. Anderson Wes Anderson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedies that he starred during the late nineties and early two two thousand that I started watching. Um, I just bought it and I I watched it. You watched it when you were like in your late teens, and I watched it on my early twenties. Mm. I have a lot of thought when I rewatched again when I'm in yeah. my thirties. Like you said that the what Coppola has mentioned that it's like an ultimate roman- romantic movie in the sense that even though they don't sleep together, perhaps in your concept of romance that people need to have sex through to the definition mm. of love. But whereas I see it that the way that Coppola has displayed in Lost in Translation, you can see that both characters lack something and yeah. they each other have given each other the things that they yeah. are missing in their life. Yeah. You see that Bill Murray's character, that he is, like again, in a lot of middle-aged men, that they're pressured into earning money, responsibility for the family. We see him, how he's like in despair of uh, what, answering his uh, wife's, wife's phone call. Yeah, about, in, about the colour of like their a new, color, yeah. like wardrobe or something. Yeah, or like, carpet or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he literally gets faxed, faxed like yeah. the options. It's so... That is so comic. There's so much comedy yeah. in that and tragedy, I think. Like, it's yeah, depressing. so it's just the reality of life yeah. kind of making think like, why, what am I doing here? Yeah. And he suddenly met this young, beautiful, yeah. full of youthfulness, yeah. blonde girl in front of him. And he's probably trying to relieve his youthfulness. Yeah. Because we see how they went through the night where they went to karaoke and drinking. And you just see, remember the part he was just being like a funny old dude yeah. sitting at the back watching all the young people yeah. singing and drinking. And Scarlett Johansson's character was there to, I don't know, It's is it like a coming of age? She needs to find some matureness yeah. in from him because... It She's, looks like her husband's not giving her attention. that kind of element. Exactly. Yeah, she, he's exactly. Not, yeah. He's not giving her any attention. Yeah. Which is really sad. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I think it's a good movie. But I, like you said, I think there's some a lot of racial issues. Yeah. But what do you think about the... Um, so uh, it's a, The movie is so ridiculously, like, I, I'm kind of over this. But it's very famous for... Um, the fact that um, at the last scene where when the characters reunite for a second, 
Um, mm-hmm. Bill Murray whispers something into Scarlett Johansson's ears, and we never know what she whispers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, have you thought about this scene? I thought about that scene. I think they just have to eventually come down to earth and go back to their real life. Yeah. I think that's how I feel because they live through, I don't know, a couple of days of happiness and then they eventually just have to return to the normal, the reality. As in you enjoy something and you it stays with you yeah. and that's it. That, that's, that's fine. That's good enough. I think people just have to be, have the gratitude of maintain that, have that kind of period of time, I guess. I, I don't, have you ever guessed what he said? Um, I'm, what do you think? I'm have not, you suspected? Yeah, I have suspected. He probably just said something like, um, you're amazing or don't worry, you have a great life ahead of you or some shit like that, you know? The amount of literature written about this scene is ridiculous because I don't care about what he whispers. I don't think it matters. I think we mm-hmm. all know deep down what he whispers. So just some random words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. I think the best scene in this film is the scene where um, they're lying in his on his bed, mm-hmm. and she's like, um, she's like telling him how she can't work out what she wants to do with her life. Did she mention that she wants to write something as well? Didn't yeah, she? yeah, yeah. She said like, I she took pictures of her um, feet, but they were shit. She wrote <laughs> stuff. She didn't like it, and then he kind of tells her, "You work it out." And then like the best scene is when he kind of reaches over and taps her feet mm-hmm. yeah i really like that there's something like fatherly about that maybe i shouldn't feel this way but like i just thought there was something like very supportive and non-sexual about that mm-hmm. tap of the feet yeah yeah but seriously the 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 mary mary and jesus chain song um just like honey which closes the film the soundtrack is just divine mm-hmm. i love the soundtrack. soundtrack is so important for a movie the music yeah i know yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's the next movie? So my next movie is a movie that came a year after Lost in Translation and um, it's a movie that I think is on ev- literally everybody's top five movies <laughs> list. It's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless mm. Mind by Jim- um, Michelle Gondry. Jim Carrey. Yeah, it stars Jim Carrey and uh, Clementine, not Clementine, um, well, the character's name is Clementine, Clementine. Um, Kate Winslet plays Clementine. Um, the screenplay is by Charlie Kaufman, who, you know, is a genius screenwriter. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I love Michelle Gondry's films. I love The Science of Sleep. It's another film um, which I think is, like, very beautiful mm-hmm. and charming and innocent. Eternal Sunshine, I think, is my one of my top films because I think it's like kind of the most beautiful film when it comes to and compassionate film when it comes to what love means. Mm-hmm. Like it's not all glorious and wonderful. Like it really, it's very it messy. Kind of, oh, so yeah, it's messy. so messy, and so I love messy. how how gently it just doesn't judge the characters. It doesn't mm-hmm. point its fingers at anyone, and like it, it kind of the way in which that film tells a story, it kind of brings me so much hope. And just the way in which um, this idea, this concept of love is so treated with so much care and Mm -hmm. respect. Um, I just can't think of another film where love is like heterosexual um, romantic love is treated in such a way that um, is so genuine and thoughtful and compassionate. Mm Mm-hmm. It's got yeah. a dash of comedy in there as well. You can't oh, it's so avoid funny. that with Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's, it's probably, so funny. And yeah, it's probably the first film that I've seen Jim Carrey in a very serious role. I know, I know. Yeah. in the early 90s, he's always been like a comedian. Dumb and dumber. Yeah. 
Yeah, Dumb so and Dumber. Do you want to tell everyone about the synopsis of the film? So, yeah, the, the film, I think I've had to watch it. Um, I've watched it maybe like 15 times, 20 times wow. in my lifetime. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, basically it opens with Jim Carrey um, not like finding, waking up, and finding weird things happen around mm-hmm. him, like his car is a bit like dented, and there are like pages ripped out of his diary, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Okay, this is confusing." And um, he goes to work, and then spur of the moment decides to hop on a train to Montague, which is like on the other direction away from New York. It's on Long Island, and then he meets this woman called Clementine with like bright red, bright orange hair, which is played by Kate Winslet. And then slowly, slowly the film we discover, like a film is told in flashbacks and it goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit confusing. It can be a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. But basically he sl- discovers that um, that his ex, uh, Kate Winslet, has like um, gone through an operation where she erased any memory of him. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a program slash company called Lacuna which I think is like um, Latin for something like memory loss or something oh, like okay. that. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And um, the receptionist um, who works at this company is, called, uh, is played by Kristen Dunst, who I love. And the doctor who undertakes these procedures is Tom Wilkinson. And then we <laughs> we also find out that um, she had an affair with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we subsequently find out that um, a lot of people um, have undergone this kind of treatment. of yeah, Procedure. Like, yeah, of like um, deliberately erasing memories, you know, of memories a of people. Yeah, of yeah. a certain partner who has given them so much heartbreak. And so um, the movie then goes into like this part where Jim Carrey decides he wants to erase Kate Winslet from his memory. And then during this procedure, he realizes no, he doesn't want to because he really loves her, mm-hmm. and that the pain um, is worth it because he actually like was in love with her, and they just. Uh, needed to sort things out. And it's like Mark Ruffalo is in this movie. Um, Kate, Elijah Wood is in this movie. Yeah. I love those, both <laughs> those actors I love. Random actors. Random characters popping up. They're, is so funny. I know, they're so fucking random. Like everyone <laughs> in this film is so funny. Um, the style of this movie is so quirky. Mm-hmm. Like the Very most dark. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. everything seems the dark. Most, yeah. The most beautiful shot obviously is when um, uh, Jim Carrey and Clem, uh, Kate Winslet wake up like in a snowy kind of white beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it snows in Montague. But anyway, I've been to Montague. I went a few years ago with a partner because of this movie and I'm sure, like so many people I'm sure have gone to Montague because of this movie. It really put that feeling. Yeah, yeah, it really put this um, little sleepy coastal t- seaside town on the map. Uh, it's really nothing happens there. The beach is actually quite underwhelming. <laughs> Um, but, um, it's so, it's such a beautiful film. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Did you like it? I watched it very, very long time ago when you first told me about it. And I remember, I don't know if it's okay to mention our podcast, the reason that you really like this film, because you went through similar situation me? on your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, that you want to look literally just erase yeah. someone yeah. from your memory. You don't. Because it caused so much pain. Yeah, totally. Isn't it? Totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, I found it really quirky. I don't really get, perhaps because I I haven't gone through as much pain as you did within the relationship terms, but I do feel that it's so funny and quirky and the side stories that keep popping up. It is confusing at the first. You're like, oh, what's going on? Is it like 
going back and forth,、mm. you know, yeah, things like that. Yeah, but I think it's a movie that I would recommend to people to watch it as well, especially if you've gone through heartbreaking relationships.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My last film of this list is a Taiwanese film、um, by a director called Hu Xiaoxian. Hu Xiaoxian. Hu Xiaoxian, yeah,、mm-hmm. and it's a movie called Three Times,、mm-hmm. um, translated.、Uh, it's a movie that came out in two thousand and five, and I don't actually remember the first time I saw this.、Oh, okay. It must have been a few years ago. I don't know how I came across it. I I maybe saw it on SBS World Movies. Oh wow! One、okay. time when it was showing、mm-hmm. on TV, and what really captured me was the. Beautiful frame framing、mm-hmm. of this film. It's very like stunningly shot. It's a movie told in three parts.、Um, it uh, the first part is set in 1950. The second part I think is set in the 1800s, maybe、mm-hmm. or early 19, 1911, I think. And then the s- third part is set in modern day Taipei, like 2004, Five, 2005.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. And、um, the, the my favorite part is the first part. Is the night the one set in nineteen fifty? Because、um, it opens up with、um, rain. What what is it called? It's a famous song. Smoke in my eyes. Oh, does it? Does、yeah. it open with that? One? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah it's smoking, my dad's favorite. Yeah, dad's yeah, favorite. Song. Dad's favorite、yeah. song, and、um, it has these two beautiful young people falling in love over like a pool table kind of situation.、Mm-hmm. I think in Taiwan, I'm not sure if it still happens, but there are like pool tables where you can go and hire pool tables and play billiard. Yeah. Um. Like maybe hire a pool table and play with someone. So, um, it's very innocent. It's very beautiful. Like, they write letters to each other. It kind of reminds me of the love story that maybe our parents went through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during that time, that era, during Taiwan. It's so. It's so. There's so much like beauty and innocence of that, and there's a sense of like futurity. Of for Taiwan during that time, during that first part, the guy has to go to military service,、mm-hmm. and so she write they write letters. They kind of he tries to come back and chase her, but then they miss each other. It's like all three parts are played by the same actors.、Mm-hmm. They just play different characters. Yeah, the guy I don't know his name, but the woman is Shi Q. Suqi, 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 yeah, and she's like this beautiful actress who I think is most famous for the movie with Jason Statham. Yeah, she was the in the Hollywood movie. I remember. Yeah, yeah. the tra-、uh, it's not the transporter. Maybe it was the transporter. Yeah. Anyway, and the second part is like the most boring, dull part. It's like there's no dialogue. Oh、uh, yeah.、Um, I think you have to really、it's... be artistic about it. You have to get that feeling of. I haven't seen the、yeah. movie, but I briefly、oh, looked、okay. through the reviews and like a trailer. Yeah. Oh, you、yeah. have to see it. It's so beautiful. The second part, yeah, is like a little bit duller.、Um, just about this,、um, basically,、uh, refined prostitute falling in love with this guy who's like a salesman, and he travels a lot.、Mm-hmm. And、um, Yeah, that's the second part basically,、uh, and then the third part is like、um, this kind of weird woman who's in a lesbian relationship, but then falls in love with this guy who's a photographer.、Mm. So the third part is also not as beautiful, but it's just so interesting how the director ties in all three parts, and it's like just such a beautiful film.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think. Taiwanese people are such brilliant filmmakers. Yeah, I do feel like it's a bit similar to Tiger Tail, the American Taiwanese,、oh, right? The, the film that he did last year when we we had an episode talking about Tiger Tail. So you kind of like the mellowness 
of the yeah. movie, the cinematography is quite similar. The review that I've read up, it's actually described that the like you said, that the the movie has been sectioned in three parts. The first part is yeah. actually called uh, Dream of Love. The second part yeah. is Dream of Freedom. And the third part mm. is Dream of Youthfulness. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I need to look it up. I think it's on this one is on YouTube as well. Really? Yeah, this one is on YouTube as well. And the reviewer, it's, the review is written in Chinese. It says that it seems like it's a very... A simple kind of love story, but the director Hou Xiaoxian, he had really worked hard to display little details of the mm-hmm. interactions of the characters. Um, yeah. Especially there was a part where they, I think, I'm just looking through screenshots. I think there's a part where they're running through in the rain. Again, it's always the rain in romantic scenes and yeah, they kind yeah. of, the two hands touch, t- touch each other and slowly kind of starting to hold like through one yeah. finger and two fingers. Yeah. It's just that the know, subtleness so of how Asian type of conservative approach to love. It's not like mm. how the Western is like straight jump into the bed and take off your clothes. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those, yeah, those are the five top five films. Obviously, I have like other films I really adore, but uh, I can't, I don't think I could think of five films that really made me think like, made me change the way I see the world and all Mm. of them are just so beautiful. And they're all about love. It's funny that you... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a girl. I think, I think all girls are really, they're all about love. They're all about loneliness. They're all about like finding someone, Mm. you know, someone to fill the void, but then discovering that there is no one person to fill the void kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's just back to oneself again. Yeah. You're right, Helen. They're all really deep love stories. Yeah, I can't wait to see what your five top. Yeah, <laughs> to start writing it down, like going through yeah. my brain and think about it. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five star rating and share with your friends. Asian bitches down under welcome listeners to support our show through ACAR support assistant. Your donation will help us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Yeah. Great list. I love it. You've got two Asian films yeah. on your list. It's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's, let's uh, come back next week and uh, hear Helen's top five favorite films. Yeah. Okay. We'll chat to you next time. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you.